Welcome, everybody. Good Life Housing Partners, Episode 72. It is the first day of February 2022, and we are getting ready to launch into a, another hopefully interesting and informative discussion on this week will be cap rates and GRM. So maybe the sort of the prequel to the cap rate was the GRM and so a little history on that and kind of what we think of the GRM as a, as a metric, as a tool to value raise real estate. But before we jump into that, my uh, fearless friend, Mr. Fong, uh, anything you spot in the news cycle or anything that we should talk about before we get into our little educational part? Um, well, the, two news items, but they're really more personal news items. One is okay. congratulations to my LA Rams for making it to the Super Bowl. Ah, yes. Where yes. they looked a little bit when you watched the first of the game, first half of the game, you thought maybe they wouldn't. Frustrated and throw your <laughs> beer or, or Coke bottle at the TV. But they made it at the end, so very proud, very excited. I, I think they're maybe the second team, a home team, to have uh, play a Super Bowl. Yes, at, after at, Tampa at, last year. Yeah, after Tampa last year, did it with with, uh, with Tom Brady, who who the Rams actually defeated on their way to this Super Bowl. So kudos to them. And then the second thing I wanted to say on personal level is, you know, today is the first day of, of the Lunar New Year, and so oh, I wanted yeah. to wish all our lis- listeners a Happy New Year, Happy Year of the Tiger. Year of the Tiger, yes. Year of the Tiger definitely is. Um, well, I think that's uh, definitely a happy new year to everyone that's celebrating, and uh, hopefully we'll get to celebrate in the office sooner this week. But uh, but before we talk about that a little further, why don't we get into our actually discussion point, an education point of uh, today's episode, is cap rates versus GRM, which stands for Growth Rent Multiplier. And I'll give you a quick definition. So GRM, or gross rent multiply, is the ratio of the price of a real estate investment to its annual rental income before accounting for expenses such as property taxes, insurance, utilities, etc. And GRM is, is basically the number of years the property would take to pay for itself if you just receive the gross payment every month or every year. Um, and Dave, before I, I, I go further, maybe we give a little history on why people use GRM or kind of what you remember of it since we, we don't really use it much anymore. Yeah, it, it, GRM, just like cap rates that we talked about last week, they're basically metrics. They're just valuation measures. It's one of the many things that we look at as an investor when we look at commercial real estate. And, you know, gross rent multipliers, as, as you mentioned, sort of a prequel, kind of like the Star Wars prequel, was uh, something I remember um, in my early days when I was a uh, young real estate lawyer and I was trying to understand a little bit more about commercial real estate that my clients um, that I was representing were investing in, trying to understand a little bit about the economics and investing. And I remember picking up these real estate books and they always talked about uh, GRM um, and, 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 you know, how you need to know the GRMs of, of the property and, and you know, it was a seven or a five or a 10, whatever it was. And that was sort of like the fundamental you know, first building block, um, you know, in contrast to cap rates, which we talked about last week, which also uses price, uh, but it focuses more on net operating income, um, which is uh, takes into account expenses and, and other revenues um, that gross uh, rent multiplier does not. So I, I, I do remember there used to be a lot of lots and lots of talks as well as in the books and, and all the self-help uh, real estate gurus, uh, you know, used to always talk about GRMs, um, but definitely has kind of gone to the sidelines or, or disappeared today in discussions when you talk investments. Everyone seems to start off with cap rates now instead of uh, GRMs. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's spot on. The, the, the discussion point really does start at cap rates. But you know, before we dive into what might have create, gotten this to change, 
But why don't we just give people some kind of of the sort of the, like high level, you know, pros and, and cons of the GRM itself. Sure. So I'll do the pros real quick. So pros okay. are just, it, it's really easy. I mean, you just take the gross rent, you divide it into what the purchase price is and, and there's your GRM. So if you're making, you know, a hundred bucks on the property, you bought it for a thousand bucks, you've got a 10 GRM essentially. Um, and so it's just really easy to use. Um, and it's, somewhat reliable i mean i think we can we, we can get to some reasons on why it might not be as reliable today but it's somewhat reliable it's a metric and i think that's really sort of it in the sense of you know the ease of use allows you to, to calculate quickly and maybe because it's you can calculate quickly you can just see a lot of assets very quickly using this metric and like maybe flush ones that don't fit your you know grm floor you can take those out very quickly so I'd say that those are the pros. Pros, uh, the pros of this, David. What's your uh, on the cons? The cons? I think there's several. Well, so. well I, I definitely agree with you on the pros. It's it's definitely it's a simple, easy uh, tool to use and metric to use. And I think it's it's great, as you said. You know, it's a good way to quickly screen properties if, if that's your goal. Um, you know, to, if if you're concentrating, if you got too much stuff to look at, you need to narrow it down. It's a good filter. And so the challenge is is. If you just stop at that, that's it's it. There's a lot of nuances that you can miss, and that, and that's one of the, the biggest cons because it, it just really focuses on rental revenue as the right. first part. And since you know there's other revenues, and just to use an example, apartments, there's parking revenue, and and uh, sometimes yeah, you know, uh, sometimes you know uh, there's some reimbursement. Other ancillary income. Yeah, other other rents ancillary income. So so you totally miss that part of the revenue side of the equation and then the other uh, downside is it really doesn't really take into account expenses and yeah. obviously uh, you know uh, people running an apartment building you know you'll have expenses like property taxes and just in general operating expenses um, maintaining common areas and different things and the roof or etc and so you none of that is taken into account in this metric um, which is in contrast to what we talked about last week on cap rates because cap rates you know, is based on net operating income and net operating income is defined as, you know, revenues minus, minus expenses. So you're, you're taking into account, you know, all those things that are missing from the, from the GRM. And so the, the other thing too is, is, you know, when you use it as a metric to compare different properties, um, you know, since it doesn't take into account, you know, insurance or property tax costs, um, you, you know, you might have, you know, when you're comparing two properties, you might have two properties with the same, uh, property price or rental income, but they might have different insurance and, and taxes. And so th those things could, you know, ultimately affect, you know, whether you're really buying it at a good enough discount or not for the risk that you're taking, risk reward you're taking. And so from an investment standpoint, um, you know, th those, those are kind of the weaknesses since it's, since it's too, it's a, since it's, as you mentioned, as the pros, it's a simple, easy tool. But on the other hand, it's a little too simple in some ways too. Yes. It's a little too simplistic. Um, yeah. So I agree with, all, with you on all that. And I think, you know, kind of if we if we kind of go back in history a little bit here and think about how these how GRM maybe became a useful tool, you know, if you go back 20, 25 years ago in the apartment industry, this was a metric that a lot of people used. I mean, even, you know, some larger groups would still even use this metric. A lot of individual investors would use this and it became really easy to look at deals. And I think because you had a, a market you know, I, I think, David, you can probably speak to this a little bit, but apartments 20 years ago are not like this stalwart investment that people see them today. I think there's this, you know, I think people often forget or don't even realize that like apartments 
used to be kind of just a handful of players that would really be in the space and really, or it'd just be mom and pop type owners that owned an apartment building or in a duplex or, you know, they weren't like these big sophisticated, you know, companies or even groups like us that had like, you know, fairly good portfolios, professionally managed, professionally asset managed. There weren't these layers and like sophistication and systems involved in one in this asset class. In fact, it was like sort of, Hey, David, I think you could kind of say like, it wasn't looked down upon, but it wasn't looked up on like, you know, trophy retail or trophy hotel or trophy office. It didn't, there was no trophy apartment building. Yeah, there definitely wasn't, it, there was not a sexiness or, 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 or coolness factor associated yeah. with, with, the, with that asset class. And, and again, you know, one other thing too, just to be clear too. So gross rent multiplies the word gross rent uh, implies it's based on gross scheduled rents. And that one, one other key thing it doesn't take into account as a con too, was it did take into account vacancies. <laughs> and so, and, you know, you know, if you're not trying to be super precise or, or, you know, slash less professionally managed and, and you just want some general numbers, then it's okay to not take into account some of those, those things. But if you're really trying to be precise or if you're managing money for others on a professional basis, then you want to be more precise. And so to the extent that, you, you know, you have vacancies and other things that, that input, impact that number, GRMs were, were just a little too simplistic. Yeah, I think, I think that's very correct. It was just too simplistic. But I think the other thing that I was sort of going at is that one, one of the things that like this sort of discussion on GRM versus cap rates has sort of kind of led me down a path on is like, just how much like more sophisticated and efficient the apartment industry has become over the last 20 years. And so more than what I was going to ask you, like if you look at it 20 years ago, this was not a sexy investment. It was no trophies. And there was only a hand people, handful of people in it. Today, I mean, I think you were just telling me something about you know, Blackstone and how big of a fund they've created off retail investors who want to invest in apartments. But like today, it's a much like it's a really you know, super strong asset class. Like if we, if we, you know, even outside real estate, B apartments or apartments in general are just looked upon as such a reliable investment. And, Turkey. you know, I think mean, you can kind of, you, you've seen a lot of this over 20 years, how much it's changed, right? Yeah, no, it's completely changed. And, 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 and as you mentioned too, instead of mom and pop, it, it's become an asset class of, of, of de jour or, or favorite of institutions. And when I say institutions, I mean, you know, not just, um, professional investors, but also groups like insurance companies, you know, and, and other yeah, institutional investors to who who have all this excess money and they want to protect the cash that they you know get from all the premiums we pay as 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 uh, insurance uh, as insurance people uh, is insured, and they they like to put in something safe and it's also a hedge against inflation and, and apartments um, today has has you know truly become it's one of the basic you know kind of four food groups in real estate investment that institutions like insurance companies and banks and other guys who just want stability and, and who have seen it being tested you know through cycle after cycle as a good place to, to put your money yeah I, I think and i think the other thing that's happened over the last like really in the last five to ten years or post this kind of 2008-9 recession is that there's been such a flood of of capital into this industry and there's been so many more new entrants or now you know people have been in the business five ten years that things like grm are just not even talked about anymore because your your yield has compressed so much from where it was like 20 25 years ago that you need to be so much more particular about about your underwriting and how you're showing an investment because you're not going to have enough yield to really make like mistakes like grm and not calculate the vacancy on a, on a deal or 
or run expenses too low or too high. I think this has shrunk so much in the last five years. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Like you said, there's so much and there's so much competition. So many guys and investors now chasing yield or chasing or interested in this proven asset class that, as you mentioned, like, yeah, you can't they don't even talk about GRMs now. Um, one of my numbers I was I was going to mention today too was something I was surprised to find is when you look at professionalism and in, 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 uh, uh, making more professional management is that Blackstone, who you know super name brand, um, you know who traditionally started out as a firm, you know managing money for institutions and insurance companies and and pension funds and different groups like that and sovereign wealth funds, you know they they actually make more money now. Um, uh, and from the fundraising standpoint, with retail investors, they created something called the BREIT a few years ago, mm-hmm. and they've they've raised fifty billion dollars uh, for these non-traded REITs, and and you know investors can invest you know as small as twenty five hundred uh, in, dollars into this uh, owning a sh- so they get a share of this REIT, and it's 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 stunned them too how many people um, are are interested in in, in BREIT. And they, last year alone, they were raising funds at a clip of about two billion dollars a month, and so you know they're they're super shocked. They never thought that they'd be able to raise money from retail investors more quickly and easier than raising money from institutions, uh, which is their normal bread and butter. And the normal bread and butter of this BREIT that fund invests in assets like apartments. And again, you know they're you know they've got their team of professional investors, uh, all who have a lot of experience, and you know they're digging in a lot deeper using metrics and other criteria a little more sophisticated than you know 20 years ago just grm so they buy apartments and as you said because it's been competitive and the yields are compressed you know they have to make sure they're more precise with their investment tools so that they can get the uh, returns that they want to get for the investors yeah so I, I think that that's super spot on so i think you know one thing that i would say suggest to you know our our listeners and, and, you know, people that are interested in the space that, you know, definitely the GRM is probably not like the best tool. It's probably, you know, a very easy tool to get a, a first look at an investment, but I would say definitely, you know, go towards a cap rate measurement of an investment rather than the GRM. I think it's a good uh, finality to our little lesson today. Yeah, no, I agree. In some ways it's almost like a video game. It's like, your first level one. <laughs> yeah, got to get to level five before yeah. you uh, before you really make an investment decision. And so that first yeah. level, you can use it if you want, uh, but it's probably quicker to get to level two. Yeah, and I think the other side of it too is like, um, you know, because we've become so much more efficient in the multifamily industry that getting to level two you can get to very quickly. I think the other problem of this is like when you had a lot of mom and pop investors. I'm just recollecting now is that. You know, they just didn't have like maybe the best P&L or wasn't all accurate. And so sometimes you just had to go on like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, the, the rent, I'm going to take out some vacancy and then maybe I'll, I'll get to a more accurate, uh, you know, valuation of this asset. But, but today, I think you, you mostly, a lot of this is, you know, professionally managed, at least professionally asset manager, and you can get to these numbers much quicker and it makes your evaluation much stronger too. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, in the old days, like you said, it's it's mom and pop owners who may not be maintaining the best books, and so a lot of it was unreliable. And then the buyers were the same type too, and so they, you know, they didn't care as much too. So they were just kind of looking at general overall number. Yes, yes, hundred um, percent. All right. Well, why don't we move to our uh, any any news items this week? Anything we should uh, 
talk about before we get to our numbers? Uh, my only upgrades? number kind of news item was in, in I was, which is the number is eight hundred twenty five million, uh, which is the number, number uh, number of books, print books that were sold mm-hmm. in twenty twenty one, which is the best year ever uh, for sales of print books. And this is 67 million more in 2020 and 125 million more books than 2019, which is surprising because, you know, I remember before Amazon became Amazon um, and everyone thought Amazon was going to fail. Barnes Noble and Walden Books, there were all these book retailers who went out of business and thought the book industry would never make it. And surprisingly, in the last few years, uh, books are coming back. And, and actually, Amazon now has has morphed back into selling books, too, and, and having some bookstores and in the retail uh, footprint. Nice. Well, and uh, a lot of this was obviously encouraged by the uh, COVID pandemic as people were home and they were bored and so they wanted to read. But the other thing that's been an interesting phenomenon is social media like TikTok, uh, where people created uh, platforms to actually talk about books they read it says actually flourished on, on social media and so that in turn has led people to want to buy some books to read and it originally they thought it would just be a, a, a phenomenon for teen books in the teen teen young adult category but actually there are a lot of adult books um, that people are tiktoking about or book talking and so uh, people are buying more and more books so the industry is not dead as, as people thought it would be good for the book guys um yeah, my number was uh, well. Are you, should we go to numbers, content upgrade? Or sure. Should we okay. Uh, so, so my, yeah, my number was uh, uh, so Taco Bell is launching a new taco club, and so for ten dollars a month, you can get uh, one taco per day at one Taco Bell. So you can go and you can get your you know your all beef taco, and uh, you get I guess thirty days of that. So kind of an interesting thing. I like this idea just because like it gets people to keep coming into the store. <clears throat> and so I've seen that, that um, Panera has something similar, similar where it's like eight bucks a month for like, I want to say a cup of coffee every day, or I don't know if it's multiple coffees, but you basically you get a free coffee every day uh, yeah. part of, as part of the subscription. So, but it gets people in the door and then well, it's pretty hard to just leave after one taco, I think. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, eat a lot of taco bell but when i hear it's 10 bucks you know it makes me Ten think oh, I'll, I'll go a couple of taco bells dollar you know you get a dollar taco each time it's, it's yeah, uh you bad. know maybe i'll get i'll be eating more than 10 10 tacos yeah <laughs> so, or over problem, 10 yeah. over 30 days i guess which is the problem too uh but i guess that's smart marketing again those people smart the marketing market that's what they're yeah, doing the taco bell guys yep yeah i thought it was good. it's not a bad strategy i mean it's, uh, you just get people through the door uh, um any any other numbers for you, David? Uh, no, the, the only other number, uh, which was uh, not as interesting, but still uh, uh, worthwhile noting, I guess, jobless claims uh, fell for the first time in four weeks. So that suggests that Omicron uh, is receding and, and, you know, economy is doing a lot better. Um, nice. Yes, I think, I think we're, we're definitely seeing a reset, uh, a reduction in cases and i think uh everything should follow suit to probably you know hopefully by super bowl time i think uh we'll even have some restrictions lifted here in la so be good to see uh any upgrades any content for you this week or upgrades uh no i'm just trying to think other than working out again but but uh, which is my my normal (laughs) oh i did Uh, i did use the uh i did use the uh 
the massaging the, no the massaging oh, gun. Not the, bidet. Okay, the massaging gun which was very helpful oh, very nice very nice that's a good upgrade good <laughs> so, good so, that was yeah that I was enjoyed that. Christmas gifts. yeah that's yes. awesome um excellent i have a content I, I have a little content i started watching the gilded age on uh as you would know hbo and okay. it is uh it's kind of interesting i i don't know much about this age in u.s history but it's like the 1880s and so you know, it's like post-Civil War and it's, I think, more or less set in New York. And it's like how, like, you know, uh, the country is now, you know, uh, we've got, you know, freed. Uh, well, everyone's free because like, the slavery has been abolished. And, and uh, it's just how, how, like, it's interacting through, like, New York, which is really interesting. And then you're seeing, like, people making their wealth on, like, building railroads and infrastructure for the country and, um, it, it's interesting. It, I, I I know much about that that era of history, so it's kind of cool to watch. Yeah, that's that's an interesting period because that because that's before the, the stock market crash. Right? Yes, so so, yes. so that's before even the stock market. I think to some yeah. degree. I think we, yeah. I think at least in the early beginnings. But yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Oh, very very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a, it's a good watch. Uh, any content for you? Uh, I think what did I no. Uh... I mean, I, I think I talked about the last time. I think the streaming. I, I was trying to watch the Matrix, and so I still haven't oh, yeah. found it. The the new Matrix movie. Yeah, you know, I, I watched part of it on streaming, and then I, you know, turned it off, and I was looking forward to watching the rest of it. And then I realized that for some reason, the HBO Max had had only a thirty day engagement, almost like a movie theater. <laughs> so yep, now I can't find engagement. it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so. Um, I did, yeah, I did. I did watch an old video game movie on the way back from. I was in Dallas last week, and so I did watch a uh, Mortal Kombat, which I hadn't seen. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was Mortal cute, Kombat. It was Mortal Kombat. It was a cute little laugh because when I saw a couple of phrases in the movie from the uh, video game, you know, flawless victory or whatever, when they killed someone. Oh yeah, well, so it was pretty funny. That's funny. That's funny. Um. I actually don't have any upgrades. I'm, I'm looking at a few upgrades, but I will, I'll have more for you guys next week. I think this does us for the first day of February, the, the uh, Lunar New Year. The happy, the tiger is the uh, animal of this uh, Lunar New Year. And uh, I think this does us for, for this week. Uh, please keep those questions coming and follow us anytime on, on any of those podcast apps. Uh, David, any final words? Uh, be safe, everyone, and happy new year. Thanks. Thanks.